Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Go ahead and grab a seat. Last week we launched what we are calling 21 Days of Surrender. 21 days of surrender. We're going after the heart and the soul of this church. What is the heart and soul of Ocean Hills? This is a great series to be part of if you're new with us, if you're checking us out, and if you've been with us forever. It's, it's, it's in a sense we're pushing the pause button in our church history, and we're saying, let's remind ourselves why the church exists. Let's remind ourselves why Ocean Hills exists. And last week, uh, I thought I was going to do it in one week. I had a three-point sermon, but I only got through one point. And so uh, Casey and I met this week, and we said, let's just turn it into a three-week series. So last week was Let God Love You. This week is Let God Change You. And next week is let God use you. And so I'm going to start by reading again last week, just a little review. C.S. Lewis has this uh, challenging quote. He says this, the church exists for nothing else. Now just close your eyes for a moment. How would you fill in that blank? The church exists for nothing else but to what? He says to draw people into Christ, to make them little Christs. If they're not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. You can open your eyes if they're still closed, by the way. <laughs> we exist to help you, to draw you into Christ, to help you become like Christ. That's why we exist. Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Follow God's example Therefore, as dearly loved children, and you could flip that. You could say, as dearly loved children, follow God's example and walk in the way of criticism and judgment. Well, you know, it doesn't say that. And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us. And gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Follow God's example. That's why we exist. We want to help each other 
live a new life, a different life, to, to be different than this world, to be people of sacrifice, of love, of servanthood, of humility, compassion, kindness, gentleness, right? In the message, which is Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of this Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, he writes it this way. Watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Mostly what God does is love you. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. That's how life change happens. That's how we become like him. We keep company with him and we learn how to live in a different way. And learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from you, but to give everything of himself to you. Love like that. Love like that. And so last week we looked at let God love you. Today I want to talk about let God change you. How? We were just on the staff retreat, leadership retreat, and we talked about this. Do you ever wonder how transformation happens? Is there anybody else in this room besides me who's like, doggone it, why is change so hard? Why am I still struggling to become more like Jesus? Why do I still have anger in me? By now, I've been walking with the Lord for over 40 years. You'd think by now I'd be glowing. (laughs) Why is it that you can sit in church for 10, 20, 30, 40 years and still be a jackass. Honestly, there are people that are churchgoers and their lives look absolutely nothing like Jesus. Judgmental and critical and self-absorbed and insecure and jealous and greedy, and tight-fisted, and controlling, and bullying, and I'm talking about Christians. And I'm talking about me. How is it that we change? That's why we exist. C.S. Lewis has reminded us of this powerful quote. If you're just coming and checking the box, I went to church and leave... The question is, why are we here? The heart and soul of this church 
We're not better than anybody. In humility, we want to say, can we help each other? Love like that? Can we help each other look more like that? Can we spur one another on to follow God's example? Did you notice in that paraphrase, keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe, watch how Christ loved us. There's something in there about change. Maybe we're not spending time with God. Keeping company with God. That's what, that's what Paul's saying. You've got to spend time with them. We become like the people we spend time with. Galatians chapter 4, if you have a Bible, verse 19, Paul says it this way. My dear children, he's writing to Christians in Galatia. He says, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you. Just stop. What's he saying? He's like, man, I, I long, I, I want, I'm, I'm suffering. I'm choosing to suffer for you because I long for something. What is it? He says, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue. It's worth it, he's saying. They're going to continue. Why? Because you're worth it. It's worth it. That what? They will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. Different translations say, fully formed, until Christ is formed in your life, until Christ is visible. People look at you and say, there's something different about you. The choices that you make, the way you treat people. Paul is saying to the glad, I am in labor pains. I am struggling. I am suffering because I want to see Christ visibly alive and at work shaping you, molding you, changing you, and transforming you so that the people around you, the people you live with, your roommates, your classmates, your spouse, your children, your coworkers, they start noticing what's going on with you. You're like kind, respectful, You treat others the way you want to be treated. What a novel idea. We like to say here, come as you are. We're a come as you are church. Do you know there's a second part of that? Some of us just want that. We love, oh, love Ocean Hills. We're a come as you are church. The second part is, but don't stay as you are. Come as you are. This church is for wherever you are on your journey. You might be here today and I don't, you don't believe in Christ. You don't believe in God. You may be a person who's fallen away, drifted away, slowly, just, I'm not sure, full of doubt. I don't know. Full of sin and selfishness. Everybody's welcome here. Come as you are. But don't stay as you are. I read a quote that I really appreciated this week actually from uh, a Catholic voice, a Catholic youth pastor. And I just, it really, it really struck me. 
This is what he said. If I go to church and I leave the same way I walked in, it's because I didn't offer God anything. I didn't give him anything. I didn't give him my fears. Didn't offer him my struggles. I didn't give him my challenges. I didn't confess to him that there are some other things that I love more than him. I just showed up and I watched. If you want to change, and I hope you do, if you want to become a new person, if you want to become more like Jesus Christ, more loving, more generous, more the kind of person that others look at you and they want to be like you, younger people want you to mentor them because they see something different in you. I want to be that. Don't you want to be that person? When you show up here on Sunday morning, you got to offer God something. That's, that's what we're hearing. Don't just come and yawn and go, whatever, and I'm watching. Get real with God. Offer him something this morning. Even while you're listening to me, offer him your heart. Whisper in your prayer, God, I'm here. I'm offering you myself. I want you to change me. I want to walk out of here to my car different than when I walked in. So how does life change happen? Three quick things. Number one, change requires knowing you are loved. We talked about it last week. People that walk through life feeling unloved, they walk through life, they're more critical, they're more insecure, they struggle with jealousy, they struggle with comparisons, they're paranoid because you're whispering over here, and I think you're whispering about me, but you're not even thinking about me, but I think that you're talking about me, right? We walk through life crippled. And I shared the quote last week, but I'll read it again from the shack, Paul Young. He says, you were created to be loved. Living, in, living unloved is like clipping a bird's wings and removing its ability to fly. So when you see people walking around and are mean and are cynical, they don't feel loved. I've told, I've told this before. My daughter, Shannon, I, she's loves me and I love her and we have the strongest, closest. But sometimes when I'm kind of grouchy or grumpy, she'll say, she'll say this to me, Dad, who hurt you? <laughs> what? Who hurt you? Who hurt you? When we walk through life, it's like our wings have been clipped. We're not soaring. We're not flourishing. We're not thriving. It's because somewhere deep down there, we're feeling unloved. Dane Ortland has written a book. I mentioned it last week. I got the quote for you on the screen. I want you to soak in this. I'm going to read it again. The love of God 
is not something to see once and believe and then move beyond to other truths or strategies for growing in Christ. The love of God is what we feed on our whole lives long, wading ever more deeply into this endless ocean. And that feeding, that waiting, is itself what fosters growth. Stop right there. That feeding, soaking in, reminding yourself, reading, listening, I'm loved. I'm the beloved we talked about last week. I matter. I'm worth the effort. I'm treasured. I'm the pearl that Jesus gave everything up because he thought I was worth it. He thought you were worth it. He goes on to say, that feeding, that waiting is itself what fosters growth or change. We grow in Christ no further than we enjoy his embrace of us. God made you. Why? So he could love you. His embrace of you is the point of your life. Wow. He wants you to know a love that is yours even when you feel undeserving or numb, the ceiling of our growth will match the ceiling of our understanding of God's love for us. This church is on mission to help everybody in this church and in this community and in this world to know this love that Paul talks about in Ephesians 3 that surpasses understanding. It's, it's too big of a love to fully grasp, he says. Wide and deep and long, right? High. We want you to know this love. We want you to, everybody who comes into this place that's part of this family, to feel, not just here, oh, for God so loved the world. I know that up here. But your life changes when you get it here. When you walk out of here and you go, it's not just, oh, I, I know Jesus loves me, this I know for the, okay, I know. But do you feel, have you experienced that you're worth it? That's the first, I think, step. If you want to see your life change, it's right there. The ceiling, if you don't get that, we don't even need to, you don't even need to hear the next two points. Just you, God brought you here for that. But here's the second thing. Change requires micro choices. Jay Vallotton writes, great change is made with small shifts and steps, little baby steps. John Tyson, pastor in New York, says, remember, there is no transformation without repetition. It is rarely the spectacular or amazing that shapes us over the long haul. What's he saying? What are these two quotes saying? Baby steps, small choices, repetition over time. 
Change is gradual. It takes time. It rarely happens in one moment. Romans chapter 12, if you have a Bible, look at verse 2. I have it on the screen for us. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. That's the second point of the sermon. Let God love you. Let God change you. Let God transform you into a new person, more like Jesus. How's he going to do that? By changing the way you think. And then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Change the way you think. What's the loudest voice in your life? Whose voice in your life influences you more than any other voice? Is it your mom, your dad? Is it a personality on Fox News or CNN or MSNBC? Or is it a friend? Is it Instagram? Cultural influencers that are influencing you? Who are you letting form your thinking, shape you, mold you? Whose voice? I love this little insight I got from a guy. His, his first name's Dave. Aussie Dave. He's from Australia. But he says, your cell phone. He says, what if in the church, the cell phone, rather than being a tool of distraction, became a tool of discipleship? Rather than a tool of distraction. And so this is what I've been doing, actually. I took that and I went, how do I make it a tool of discipleship? So on my Instagram... And I apologize to anybody who I've defriended. I started getting rid of people in my life. I'm like, I don't really care that you're at East Beach Tacos having lunch. That's awesome, but I, I just don't need to see that. What I want to see is, and I like to, I want, my, I want to see scripture. I want to see quotes. I want to hear sound bites, insights that are going to shape the way I think. And the algorithm things, it's amazing when you do that. And I have, you know, Tim Keller and Rich Velotas and a whole lot of folks that I listen to and I'm thinking about what they say. And it's awesome, actually. And I like to collect quotes anyway, but maybe that's something for you this morning. Is your cell phone a tool of distraction or a tool of discipleship? Is there a micro choice? Every day we're, we're making these little small choices and that is who we end up becoming like. Ruth Haley Barton, she says this, spiritual transformation is the process by which Christ is formed in us. Listen to this. The possibility that we can be transformed and become like Christ is central to the message of the gospel and central to the mission of the church. This is what we're about. Transformation, life change. 
Like, I want all of us. The more you're in this community, the more you're becoming like Jesus. James Clear, in his book, Atomic Habits, some of you are reading that, he writes this, every action you take is a vote for the person you wish to become. Every action, every little micro choice, small choice, action that you make, it's a vote for the person that you want to become. So think about these choices that we're making. And the question is, who do you want to become? That's the gut check this morning. Who, if you don't want to become like Jesus, I don't know if this is the church for you. Like, that's why we exist. This is what we're about. And so how, what maybe are some micro habits, choices that might create space? Just a few. I think, you know, we talk about making space for God to hear his voice. So a micro choice might be, you know what, I'm going to make a spiritual commitment to hear God's voice every morning. I, my wife and I listen to Lectio 365. It's a, a British app. It's uh, Peter Gregg. It's fantastic. In fact, I think it was Renee Curtis who, who turned me on to that uh, uh, and you got you actually have another one too you listen to but we're, we share in this community resources of like God speaking to me through this devotional through this little app through this book through this author we want to and then those become choices and habits that help change the way I think about Jesus about life about other people I know, and I'm just going to say it, I know that there are some people that have a hard time because we quote different authors. And, and, and do you know that I'll quote authors that I don't always agree with? Just to be clear, like if I say an author's name, you might go, oh my gosh, that guy's a heretic. How did he quote him? I think you're big enough to discern, right? We don't have to agree with each other about everything, but we can learn from everyone. How and who is shaping your thinking? And I want to just say the word of God, I, 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 that, that's the number one tool. It's the number one tool. But these rhythms, coming to church, that's a micro choice. Serving, giving, Sabbath, fasting. These are all choices that we make. Uh, real quick, because I'm running out of time again. Um, of course, relationships, responsiveness. So this staff retreat, I went around the staff. I said, how, how have you changed? What is it that causes you to change or grow? And we just went around the circle as a staff. These are some of the things staff said. I love this one. Willing to be uncomfortable. Comfort doesn't change me. But when I choose the uncomfortable, when I choose to be stretched, I grow. I change. Somebody else said, slowing down enough to reflect on why was I so triggered by that article, by that comment, by that person? Why was I so offended? Why was I so hurt? Like actually taking the time. One of our staff said, when I take the time to dig deeper, to go to that place of discomfort again, and bring God into it and ask the Holy Spirit, what's going on in me? This feels unhealthy. 
That's how I grow. That's how I change. Somebody else said mentors that I want to be like, older people in my life that I look up to, the kind of men and women they've grown into. And I'm like, wow, I want to be like her or like him. And the more I spend time with them, it's growing my heart and changing me. And we could go on and on. Another one, last one, is saying yes. Invitations. Hey, you want to be in my Bible study? I'm not sure. Let me think about it. I don't know. I'm, no, the answer is yes. Hey, we have a men's retreat coming up in April. You want to go? Oh, I don't know. I might be, you know, I got, I'm thinking about going to the concert at the bowl. No, the answer is yes. Hey, you want? Yes. When we say yes, there's a responsiveness. When you sense the Spirit of God nudging you to forgive someone, well, but they hurt, Lord. You, no, yeah, Lord. Oh. When we say yes, it's a life of obedience, of responsiveness to God. God wants what's best for you. He wants more for you than he wants from you. And when you learn to trust him, you'll say yes, yes. That's the adventure, yes. Today, Lord, my answer is yes. Who are you going to bring into my life? Who can I help? Who can I serve? Where can I give? Yes. And then here's my last reflection. Change is not only about being loved and, and micro choices, but it does require divine help. It does require divine help. Pete Scazzaro, he's the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course that we're offering. So the answer to that is, there you go. Sign up for that later today. If you haven't taken that class, here's what he says. One of the most humbling realities of following Jesus is that we cannot change ourselves. Wow. That is his work. Our job is to position ourselves so he can do the work. Well, how do we position ourselves? We open up God's word. We let the word of God do the work of God in us. The word shows us how to live, how to love. It's a light for our path, a guide to healthy relationships. Psalm 119, 45 says, I will walk in freedom for I've devoted myself to your commandments. There's not a person in this room that doesn't want to experience freedom. Freedom, 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 freedom from fear, Freedom from insecurity, freedom from people-pleasing, freedom from unwanted sexual behavior, freedom from resentment, freedom from bitterness, right? Who wants more freedom in their life? Raise your hand if you'd rather be locked up than freed up. <laughs> we want this. Well, God's word. It says it. I will walk in freedom when I devote myself to reading and then living your commandments. Ephesians 4 says this, since you have heard about Jesus and learned the truth that comes from him, throw off, that's a micro choice, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. What are those old habits? Daily, we got to throw them off. That's the micro choice which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, now don't miss this, instead let the Spirit 
renew your thoughts and attitudes. We need the Spirit of God. You have the Word of God, and then God gives us His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to live inside of us, to give us the power to make those choices, to give us the desire to form those habits, those little micro-habits. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes, and then put on, there's the choice, your new nature created to be like God. Let me close with this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, Paul says this. But whatever I am now, it's all because I am so awesome. All those relationships I made, it was because I'm just such a likable guy. All that money I made, ha, it's because of me. I don't think that's in the Bible. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me. And not without results. All those results, that fruit you see in my life, that blessing you see in my life, that impact you see through my life. He says, it's not without results. He says, I've worked harder than any of the other apostles. It's hard work. He's made choices, micro choices, hard choices. I've worked harder than anybody else, yet it was not I. But God, who was working through me by his grace. Can you agree to that? Can you em embrace that attitude? Can you underline that in your Bible and say, that's my prayer for 2023. That's who I want to be. I want to work hard. I want to see results. I want my life and my impact and my legacy to make a huge difference in the, my kids, my friends, the people around me, my church. I want that. And so I'm going to work hard. But it's not me. It's God. It's the grace of God working in me and through me so that I become that person. And that's what we're about. Let's pray. Put your hand on your heart, if you would. This is a, a way to say, I want to change. If you don't want to change, don't put your hand on your heart. Put your hand on your heart if you're saying, today, God, I want to change. I'm, I do want to become more loving. I do want to love like that. I want to live like that. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to treat my family more like Jesus. I want to be on mission more like Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you come again and fill us? Would you come again and do the work of God in us? God, some of us are sitting here going, I'm so frustrated. I'm just not making any progress. I don't feel like I'm growing. But today, Today, Lord, we put our hand on our heart. Just like that, that guy in Mark 3 who had the shriveled hand, you told him, stick your hand out. You made him participate in his healing. 
And when he reached his hand out, when he stretched his hand out, you touched it. And you restored it and you, you made it new. And as we put our hand, our shriveled hand, our shriveled heart, we put this hand on my shriveled heart. God, would you change my heart? Would you change every heart here? We commit right here, right now to participate in our own transformation. I pray for the person who feels unloved. I pray for the person who's feeling crippled because they grew up in a home where they just weren't worth the effort. They were invisible. They were abused. They were made to feel insignificant. I pray right here, right now, that your love that surpasses understanding would find a way. You're, you say that your love's unfailing. I pray right here, right now, that your love would not fail us, but would reach in and heal our wounded, hurting, broken, shriveled up heart and enlarge it. Enlarge it so that we might live and love like you, following your example. Oh God, I pray that you change me. I pray that you transform me. I pray that today you would do something in me Change the way I think. Help me to make choices that change who has the most influence in what I believe and think. God, today I render, I yield, I surrender and say, I want your word to be my ultimate authority. I want your word to be the voice that I trust, that I believe. We are on a journey of transformation, and we can't do it without you, Jesus. So today we invite you in afresh and anew, and we say, God, do it. You come and do the work. We're going to give you all the glory for all the change and all the blessing and all the favor in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. Thank you for leaning in and God bless you this is a church man I'm, I'm, I can't be more excited about the life of this church coming away 72 hours with our staff and our board buckle up we are going to be on an adventure together in these next few years ahead God is on the move in this church and we want you to be part of it and today's sermon is really what it looks like to be part of it. It's showing up and saying, I want to be more like you, Lord. Let's receive his love. Let's let him change us and come back next week and we'll talk about how he can use us to make this church even better. Let's stand together and sing. <laughs>